Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show Kyle we are going to continue the dueling mock draft series today with the AFC East a division that we know very very well so it should be fun to uh, see how these mock drafts unfold and see what the people think Kyle unfortunately the last two divisions I went three and one and the lead is now 16 to eight okay cool hook him <laughs> hate to see it Kyle well hate you know it's it's par for the course Joe and Kyle do anything competitive, and Joe just gets sympathy votes because he's not Kyle. So that's 100% the reason why, you know? Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. This division has a lot of draft picks, Kyle. This division sucked. <laughs> um, Holy cow. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have a brisk one for, for these picks. Every, every team seems to be pretty loaded. How many long. are there? There's 5, 10. There's at least 15. I think there's 15 picks. In the first three rounds. Although you drafted four rounds, so no wonder you keep winning these things. <laughs> wait, wait, so is the last pick 97? 101. Okay. All right. So I made one extra pick. All right. So I'm good. I'm good. I also am not repeating all my picks. So I think that bears recognition as well. Repeating your picks? Yeah. Like I haven't picked like. There's two players. Bobby, I haven't I've picked Bobby Evans seven times in seven mock drafts. Um. Bobby Evans gets picked today. He's like that, the only okay, guy. Okay, there's my point. He's like the only guy I pick every That's day. That's not true. Because he's the only like third round offensive lineman that I like. So that's the way it has to be. Well, let me know when you find the cloning machine to clone Bobby Evans so all 32 teams can get one. And there's then a lot, uh, there's then, a lot of players. Then, a, lot of, a lot of first timers today, Kyle. A lot of first timers. Okay, timer. good. That yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go first because I'm losing. <laughs> no, I'll go first. I'm going first with I'll do the Jets because I want you to go first with the Bills. <laughs> Sweet, okay. Yeah, and then I'll have to go first with the Dolphins. So, yeah, we'll have we'll do this weird today. All right, here we go. The New York Jets on the clock, number three overall. I'm going with Quinton Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. I know the bigger need is on outside of edge rusher, and, and maybe Josh Allen seems to be a conventional pick there, but Quinton Williams is a better prospect. And for me, I'm not going to get sucked into reaching for a need when I've got a way better prospect in Quinton Williams, even though it's at less of a need. So we're going to go ahead and get Quinton Williams here every single time. Am I, if I'm picking for the Jets and I'm picking for the Jets here. Uh, we move down to number 68, the Jets next pick, because uh, they still parted with some of that draft capital for the Sam Darnold trade. At 68, we do go ahead and get an edge rusher. We go ahead and take the chance on Ja'Kai Polite, the edge rusher from Florida, who, when you watch his tape, you watch this guy rush the passer on tape. Really good, really explosive, really bendy guy. That's gonna that was really difficult for these SEC offensive tackles to really set roadblocks against up the arc. And we're gonna rely on that tape. Hopefully, we, he can mature a little bit and, and grow into 
uh, being a professional. And uh, we get the edge rusher that we need as well with our second pick. Take advantage of that potential slot. Uh, at number 93, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Bobby Evans, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. Uh, one of the few third-round offensive tackles that I can really get behind, and that's why I draft him every single day. 40-game uh, starter for Oklahoma. Can play right and left side. Jets need to continue fortifying the offensive line. I like the move to get Kalichi Assemble, but they've also missed out on some of the free agent offensive linemen as well. So um, this is a good piece in my mind to give them a guy that can probably start fairly soon in his career and give him versatility to play both sides. So my recap on the Jets, Quinn and Williams at three, Ja'Kai Polite at 68, and Bobby Evans at 93. You know they need offense, right? And they got one offensive player. Okay, we got sit. No, what, what do you mean? We we got better on offense this off season. To tr- so we're we're in position to use some picks on defense. They they they, we, they need wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive tackles desperately. And you gave them Bobby Evans, and that's the only thing they yeah. came away from in this mod. Yeah, they've got some young playmakers. Then they went out and got James. Their top three receivers are Jameson Crowder, uh, Quincy Noon, one Robbie Anderson. They like Chris Herndon at tight end. They got Le'Veon okay. Bell. Okay. Take those three wide receivers, and where would you rank that in one to thirty-two in the NFL as top three wide receivers? I mean, that's that's a big task for me to do right on the spot. But I think I think maybe the Jets like that group. The Jets like that group better than maybe you do. And you know, Adam Gase doesn't. He's he's never been able to really get the receiver. I mean, like he's always kind of had okay receivers, never like great top tier receivers, right? Adam Gase also didn't like Sam Darnold coming out of college, so there's that. Too. Well, the Jets hired Adam Gase, and that's a whole other problem. I can't fix that with this with this mock draft. But you could help Adam Gase provide the kind of players around him. Well, put what, and you t- did not show, show us what we were supposed to do here, and we'll let the people decide. Okay, so Josh Allen at number three. I went for the more of the needs based pick because. I feel like I've got you pegged pretty well with these early picks. And I know you like Quinnen and I think Josh is a more realistic pick. I think it's an Avenue that Jets fans have, have kind of come to expect. And I did not want to disappoint them with leaving them without an edge rusher. Uh, 68. I took a wide receiver. I took JJ Orsega Whiteside from Stanford. who just came out, Joe, and we have his, his time for his pro day. That was a four, four, eight. <laughs> Which is crazy. But he ran 4.48 in his pro day, which means in all reality he ran mid-4.5s, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson is a a big, long, tall-bodied, kind of dynamic catch guy. Uh, Our Sega Whiteside gives you a little bit more power, but kind of complements that with some of the same skills as far as the ball skills and his ability to, to read, react, and address the football in the air. Uh, and he's a little more athletic than we thought he was going to be, even if he ran mid four fives or low four fives. Uh, so that I think that was a win for him. I think he's really polished in a lot of other areas, and seeing him on the board at 68 was a pleasant surprise for me. I grabbed him right then and there. And then at 93, I also took an offensive tackle, but, folks, I did not take Bobby Evans, mm. who's not on my queue of 15 picks. I took Titus Howard Ooh. from Alabama State. High upside pick, developmental pick. That's fine. The fact is he's got pretty exciting tools. You just need to trust that you're going to get him into a situation where he can learn and be developed. And, uh, you know, if you want to bet on the upside of any 
offensive tackle in this year's group that's not considered a first-round pick, Titus Howard has the best set of skills. So you you gave me crap for my Jets haul, and then you went out and took a player not ranked in your top 10 at number three, Jay Jahu is a, a reasonable pick for you, and then Titus Howard, who I think you have as a late day three offensive lineman. Okay, Joseph, you <laughs> as well as anybody should understand that when you're applying each team's individual sets of needs and philosophies, <laughs> no, no. my individual board is not reflective. Plus, like, people are going to vote on Twitter. They're not going to listen to the podcast and vote. They're just going to see the names and vote. I know. So. I know. And I get that. I get that. But I'm just like, come on now. I took, I got a top, a universal top two player. A, yeah, a, a, a very a, a guy that everybody said was a first round pick before the combine was never not in a first round mock draft, and then a very solid offensive line prospect. I don't know, man. I, don't know. I think you're going to get killed for going defense with both of the first two picks. That's all I'm saying. I think you should get killed for the reasons I said already. This is this is good. All right, not like we're gonna have the Bills and Dolphins coming up next year to fight about. So Buffalo Bills on the clock. <laughs> With the ninth overall selection, the Buffalo Bills select Ed Oliver, interior defensive lineman, Houston, Texans. Houston, Texans. Houston Cougars, baby. Um, Listen, Ed's become that popular player to overthink for various different reasons, and that's fine. Like, if you want to knock him for having 31-inch arms or – you want to knock him for his usage and not sure he's going to be able to, tra- he's going to be able to translate. I'm telling you that right now. And I know Buffalo might be married to more of a prototypical build here, but there's so much defensive line talent in this year's group that if you wanted to go that direction, like you've got picks, there's going to be guys that fall in the draft, get the dynamic playmaker. Really? That's what it comes down to for me. So Ed on the board at nine, felt like such a home run selection i had to pull the trigger and i got my wide receiver at number 40 with kelvin Harmon from nc state uh, this team had the gall the gall joseph to trot out kelvin benjamin last year for a short amount of time as a big body we, power we're receiver. gonna talk about kelvin benjamin guy let's move on from kelvin well kelvin uh, we are moving on because we got <laughs> kelvin Harmon as like a receiver that's actually good <laughs> That's big, unlike Kelvin Benjamin. So uh, the fact that they had a big body, they had built into their receiving group room and space for a big bodied receiver who couldn't run routes. Imagine what you could do with a big bodied receiver who can run routes. So Kelvin Harmon, I think, has some nice correlation with with a, a model that they had tried to use going into last year, but now you've upgraded that. 74, Joe, this was kind of a best player available type scenario for me as far as I did want to get them a little bit of edge help too, but it it kind of falls back into the tweener role. Um, I I just really think his play style is, is something Buffalo would like. Zach Allen at 74, I'm interested what your reaction is here. Um but a guy that can play on the end a little bit, you can kick him inside and pass rush situations. He's pretty versatile, but he's got those prototype length and, and his build is very sturdy, which Buffalo up front 
likes to beat you up. They like to play physical. And, and Zach Allen, who's not a guy that's going to bend off the edge and get you 12 to 15 sacks, but as a guy who can be a weapon that you slide around your defensive line and bringing him in with Ed Oliver, I was really excited about the pairing of those two guys and what they could potentially do next to each other on the field. Were you thinking about playing him inside or outside? A little bit of both. Yeah. I, I think the one position that I feel like I have the least handle on with the Bills' preferences is defensive line because they haven't made too many big you know, investments there for me to really gauge what what's important. Right. I, I, and, and that would be really interesting to me because um, I, I could see them really liking Zach Allen. Um, okay. And that was what my hope was because yeah. I'm looking at his skill set. I'm like, man, just like thinking about what I know about Buffalo and McDermott and I could see that being a marriage that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I've never seen them. Like if you think about what they had in Carolina was like Charles Johnson, Mario Addison, um, though, you know, the, those were their kind Julius peppers. I don't know if McDermott really had peppers though. Um, and I, they never really invested highly at, at edge. And, um, you know, it seems like they may like those more technical guys that can really, compromise the width of the pocket and really suffocate it but i don't know um okay especially with ed my... inside, what's that especially with ed inside as the rusher yeah i think that makes that makes it even more sense of it yeah to be honest yeah i mean if you you could put a package on the field of alan hughes oliver and whoever else and that'd be interesting i like that how those complement each other all right, here's my Bills Hall at number nine, uh, Ed Oliver, defense tackle from from Houston. Um, Solid. Yeah, I think it's. I think that the the Bills need more playmakers on the defensive line outside of Jerry Hughes, and you know McDermott really hasn't had a, a wrecking ball and interior penetration style player, uh, even with Kyle Williams in the fray the last couple of years. Who his his impact on this team's been more in a leadership role than the dynamic interior penetrator that he was four or five years ago. So um, I think that's a big need and they get a chance at number nine to get a young player at that spot. Um, at number 40, I went with Chase Winovich, edge rusher from Michigan. Uh, beyond this season, the only edge rusher on the team under contract is Trent Murphy. And, uh, you know, I, I like Trent Murphy, but he's not going to be the lead edge rusher for a dynamic NFL defense. And the Bills can't necessarily rebuild that whole group in one off season. And so I think it's important for them to use a fairly high pick this year on a guy uh, that can really be part of the long-term answer there at edge rusher and chase uh, relentless football player, really good technique. Um, I think that he'd, he'd be a nice complimentary rusher to Jerry Hughes. Uh, and then at number 74, I went with wide receiver JJ Arcega Whiteside from Stanford. Uh, the bills have done well to get separation guys, uh, you know, with, Cole Beasley and John Brown to add to Zay Jones and, and Robert Foster. Uh, the one thing that's kind of missing from this wide receiving core is a guy with that size element. And, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is not just a tall guy that you throw the ball up to. He's a guy that has really good technical work in his releases. I think he can really separate in the intermediate areas of the field. And then, of course, give you that guy that can win in contested situations and in condensed areas of the field where he's he's a very, very sound in those 50-50 balls. And he, his basketball background really shows up in terms of knowing how to position himself and really restrict the, the corner's ability to – uh, elevate and and compete, and that's why he's been so good at the catch point. So I think that this is a good chance. Yeah, we got to compete. Yeah, I thought it was a good chance to get a size receiver for the Bills. So my recap for the Bills: number nine, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle; number forty, Chase Winovich, edge rusher, Michigan; 
and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford, the receiver, at number 74. And I get to go first with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, did I just sing? Was that Does that count as my first? That's your first singing on the podcast. Wow. And the words were Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I am humbled. We talk about we, we we talk a lot. We've been like 500 episodes at least or something like that of, of combined podcasting. And and I just I just had my first singing moment in the words Miami Dolphins. Wow. Wow. That's really a lot to take in. Stuff. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's remarkable. Well, let's see if this mock draft that I'm about to put together for the Dolphins is powerful. I think I did a nice job um, at number 13. We took Brian Burns, Ed Rusher from Florida State. You know, for me, in a situation where I don't love the quarterbacks in this year's class, and I'm a team like the Dolphins that, um, you know, I, I feel like they're not going to really address quarterback this year, and and it might be something they look to future years. I'm going to get the trenches right and get get this football team ready for a young quarterback. And so, with a guy like Brian Burns, we get a super versatile edge rusher, a guy that's going to be able to affect quarterbacks but also give you some versatility because I think he can play in space and uh, just get excited. I think I've, I've kind of said he's the Derwin James of edge rushers, and, I, and I, I don't know how you would not get excited about adding that piece to your defense. Um, at number 48, uh, Michael Dieter, offensive lineman from Wisconsin, 50-game starter. I think he can immediately play one of those guard spots and start for Miami. And, and you know the interior offensive line play for the Dolphins in recent years has been crippling, honestly, to this offense. And we've got a I get a rock solid guy here, Michael Dieter, that can come in and compete. Uh, and with the <laughs> last pick in the Dolphins draft here, number seventy eight, we're going to the defensive line again. Interior defensive lineman Rennell Wren from Arizona State. Um, you know that that Brian Flores is going to love that length. He's going to love that size. And uh, and really, in terms of being a guy that can really suffocate the pocket, in terms of his penetration skills and his ability to play with extension. Uh, get need some technical work, but I think that he'd be the perfect, you know, I mean, we talk about like Charles Amenehu certainly wasn't available. I think in a lot of ways you can get some of the skills uh, in one of those longer defensive linemen that we maybe talk about sometimes earlier for the Dolphins and get that here at number 78. So my recap for the Dolphins, Brian Burns at number 13, Michael Dieter at 48 and 78 defensive tackle Renell Wren. You ever see Pee Wee's Playhouse? Uh, Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. Pee-wee Her- Pee-wee I, I'm familiar with it. I, I would be lying you know if the, I've said I've ever seen it. You know the word of the day? Are you familiar with that segment? Say no. The word of the day, and then anytime you say the word of the day, like sirens go off and everybody yells, and Pee-wee's like, Arr! and that's what compete now is on draft dudes. So whenever anytime, anytime someone says compete, we have to yell like Mike Gundy would do. Compete. And it's funny because he just tweeted that. We just assume he says it like that, right? <laughs> like it's really aggressive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I'm good with that. I'm right. I'm ready for your Dolphins Hall, Mr. USA Today Dolphins man. Quick exercise, Joe. Okay. Uh, I know you know these teams' needs inside and out, but I want to read to you the Dolphins too deep on the line of scrimmage. Okay. Okay. Offensive line, Laramie Tunsil, good start. Isaac Asiata, Daniel Kilgore, Jesse Davis, Zach Starup. Backups, Chris Reed, Jake Brendel, Connor Hilland. That's the entire offensive line on the roster right now. 
There's one good player there. <laughs> defensive line. Jonathan Woodard, starting defensive end, Miami Dolphins. Devon <laughs> Gottschall, Akeem Spence, Charles Harris, Tank Carradine, Kendrick Norton Jr., Vincent Taylor, Jeremiah Valoga. That's the eight front eight players on the Dolphins defensive line. Not great. Not great. So that's why this entire draft is dedicated to the line of scrimmage, just like Joe's. We went defense twice, offense once, just like Joe's. Brian Burns, 13th overall, would be instantaneously the best defensive lineman that we have. Now, that might not be fair to, to Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw, but those guys are both kind of cut from the same cloth. They're primarily run defenders. Uh, you need penetration. You need to make up for this this gross miss of a pick with Charles Harris from 2017. Um, moving to 48, I was stunned and thrilled to find Eric McCoy from Texas A&M on the board. You can play him at guard. You can play him at center. I don't really care where you play him. Uh, it's a, a, a linchpin for your interior offensive line now. Something that you can... You know, not have three questionable players playing next to each other if he didn't want to, which has been essentially the situation in Miami for the better part of 10 years now. Uh, 78, Joe, you actually said this person's name. He was on the board for me. Charles Amenahieu on the board at 78. Now, I told you not to just, just not pick for the Dolphins because once I saw Amenahieu, I knew it was in the bag. But where I wrestled with this, is Charles Charles is a perfect scheme fit for what the Dolphins want. My concern was, are Dolphins fans going to look at a, at a draft class that has edge into your offensive line, defensive lineman, I'll call defensive lineman, because he can play inside and outside depending on the game situation. And are they going to get turned off by that? But it, it actually encouraged me that you had the exact same thought process, knowing the roster, knowing the needs, knowing the situation of the build of this team and choosing to do exactly what you did. I think the board fell more favorably for me, but I'm encouraged that you and I both had the same thought process for Miami. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can do unless you just go in on one of these marginal quarterbacks. And right, let's um, let's hope they do. You know, let's hope they do. <laughs> no, no. Well, um, okay. So Patriots have I got Patriots ten billion picks. So let's do it. <laughs> weird, right? They got six picks in the top one hundred and one. <laughs> It's so stupid. We're going to be able to fit this all in one tweet for the poll. I don't know. I might get to get creative. We probably not. <laughs> Actually, I hadn't thought about it. Okay, Patriots at 32. Uh, this is a player that Joe picked uh, for Buffalo in the early second, Chase Winovich. Uh, New England losing Trey Flowers obviously hurts their pass rush situation. And, you know, Chase can be a guy like you either love him or you hate him, right? Like Michigan fans love how do you, Chase. Wait, how do you hate Chase Winovich? Like his personality. You, oh, unless you went to Ohio State, you're yeah, you know right, what I mean. Right, a likable right. football player. I'm triggered right. that somebody wouldn't like Chase Winovich. Like if you played at a rival Big Ten school, like you <sighs> hated Winovich's guts. But you got to respect him being good. I've been watching. I feel like I've seen like a billion games against. I've been watching. Oh, that's why because I'm watching offensive linemen finishing up offensive line evaluations. And for some reason, every offensive lineman that I'm watching right now has played against Michigan. And I'm getting. I'm reliving Chase Winovich tape left and right, and it's it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. Now imagine his like us against the world on New England. 
they don't. Let's hope it, it doesn't happen. It would. It would be a match <laughs> made in heaven as far as his personality and demeanor and how hard he plays the freaking game in New England. So I like that pick. Fifty six for me. I went. I stayed on the defensive line because there was a slide from Dexter Lawrence. And I had the thought process, if I can get Dexter Lawrence at 56, I know nose tackle is a marginal position in the grand scheme of things, but Dexter gives me enough explosiveness, enough length, and enough push in the pocket that I can keep him on for some passing situations. And um, they had brought in Danny Shelton uh, to kind of fill that need for them, and they were very strategic with when they used Danny Shelton and then uh, Danny Shelton's now a free agent, so they have the opportunity to reinvest here. And my one-two punch of Winovich and Dexter Lawrence gets me pretty excited. And then they pick again at 64, and I gave him a tight end to replace Rob Gronkowski. I gave him Jay Sternberger, who's one of my favorite receiving tight ends in this year's draft class. So he didn't test as well as I would have hoped that he had, but uh, he's really effective after the catch. He's really smooth on his route stems. He finds soft spots against the defense. He's a smart player, even though he's not overly experienced, and he started at Kansas, and then he went Juco, and now he's at Texas A&M. He bounced around a little bit, but he really struck me as a, a smart, intelligent route runner. I think that's really important. Uh, 73 for New England. We got three more picks. Hope you guys are still with me. I'll try and make it quick. Uh, <laughs> Riley Ridley on the board at 73. Another accomplished route runner, a guy who will, I think, be a better pro than he was college player because – the offensive situation in Georgia just did not lend itself to a lot of production on the outside. Uh, Riley Ridley, another intelligent route runner. He's got to uh, expand his route tree a little bit, but I liked his body control. I liked his natural ball skills. Uh, he didn't obviously test as well either, but at the end of the day, this comes down to playing football, and Riley Ridley has a lot of promise on tape. Uh, 97 overall. I gave them a corner. Gave them a big-bodied, long-armed corner in Jowan Williams from Vanderbilt. Williams is a guy for me that I think has a pretty likable ceiling in that at 6'2", I think he's got like 33-inch arms or something like that. I he's like 6'4", with like almost 34-inch arms, something stupid yeah, like that. Yeah, so just like off the charts good. Yeah. Um, I didn't like him a lot in zone, but if you played him as either the, the – the man on the line of scrimmage, let him press and then let him sit and cover two. He's got so much area of influence because of his wingspan that he can really influence the short areas of the field. And then if you're going to let him play press man, there's some issues with his transitions when he has to flip his hips vertically and, and, and carry guys and get in phase. But he's got so much length that he's really afforded himself a lot of margin for error in those situations. So, I think you can do some different things with him that I like, and that was the same th thought process with my next pick for them at 101. Uh, Kahari Willis from Michigan State, who was a fun football player. He was kind of under the radar for me coming in. I didn't watch a lot of him um, at Michigan State coming into the season. And by the time I got around to his tape, I really appreciated that he did a lot of different things for them. He was a guy that came down into the slot every once in a while. And he plays the run really well, and, and he's you know very intelligent. He's one of those guys you can see is making vocal calls and checks, and that just feels like a New England type of player for me, a guy with versatility that's smart and, and directing his teammates. Uh, pick that I thought made a lot of sense, Kahari Willis. Quick recap. <laughs> Chase Winovich, Dexter Lawrence, Jay Sternberger, Riley Ridley, 
uh, Joe Juan Williams and Kahari Wills. All right, my Patriots Hall, I'll, I'll get through this briskly here. Uh, number 32, we went with Jerry Tillery, interior defensive lineman from Notre Dame. Uh, right now, the the, pa- the Patriots interior defensive line is is kind of a marginal group, in my opinion. We needed to add to this mix. Tillery's got the long arms, a pass rushing ability that I think they're going to like a lot. Uh, number 56, we went with Jay Sternberger. Uh, you went with him a little bit later. I got him a little bit sooner. Um, need that Gronk replacement. Need weapons for Brady. Uh, really smooth route runner. Really good ball skills. I think he had a 20-yard reception for Texas A&M in 12 of 13 games this year. So you love his ability to really stretch the field. Uh, at number 64, had to do it, Andy Isabella, wide receiver from UMass. Um, just I don't, I don't know how you can you could stack together a Patriots draft that doesn't have Andy Isabella. Um, and, and really, I mean, the Patriots need receivers. I know that's all. It's never really mattered, but come on now, look at look at this group. I mean, <laughs> we need to get some guys out here to catch football for uh, twelve. Uh, at number is it ninety seven? The next one? No, seventy three. Number seventy three went to the secondary. Got a versatile guy, uh, Juan Thornhill from Virginia. Um, you know, something Bill Belichick always loves in his defensive backs are interchangeable guys, guys that can do different things, play safety, play corner. You get that in Virginia, uh, in Virginia's, uh, Juan Thornhill, a guy that has been very successful at both spots, gives you ball skills and instincts. And I think, you know, that, that type of chess piece in the secondary is something that Bill Belichick will love to have at number 97, going with a quarterback, giving them a guy, um, potentially, We'll see. You know, could be a long-term backup, could be the successor. Hopefully, we'll find out. I don't know. Will Greer um, from West Virginia um, could see him kind of being that pocket passer that um, Josh McDaniels likes, and and can you know slot those throws within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and maybe occasionally take a shot deep. But um, could just be the long-term backup. Could be their next guy they trade for a high pick. But um, with all these. Draft picks have kind of makes made sense for me to have the Patriots take a chance on one of these middling quarterbacks. And then at 101, I uh, went back to the defensive line, got a long guy here, and Anthony Nelson, the edge rusher from Iowa, um, gives them more depth on the edge, uh, kind of their prototype in terms of length, guys that can really compromise the width of the pocket, technical, good hands. So I could see, I could see that being a fit there. So to recap, uh, I went with defensive tackle Jerry Tillery at 32. Uh, Jay Sternberger tight end at 56, Andy Isabella wide receiver at 64, Juan Thornhill safety at 73, Will Greer quarterback at 97, and Anthony Nelson the edge rusher at 101. And that's going to do it for us here on the Draft Dudes <laughs> Podcast. Patriots need a whole freaking show just for all their picks for themselves. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you let us know who won. The polls will be on Draft Network LLC. Uh, you can let us know what you thought of our individual halls at the Joe Marino at Grinding the Tape. Hey, tomorrow is Mock Draft Tuesday. We've been doing Mock Draft Monday at Draft Network for uh, a long time now. But uh, your boy, Kyle, here has been assigned this week's Mock Draft and was so wrapped up in trying to finish his uh, 2019 NFL Draft Prospectus, which is almost done, that uh, midnight rolled around last night and he hadn't started. So (laughs) we're doing Mock Tuesday this week. Mock Draft coming to the site tomorrow. Make sure you swing over and check that out. Should be up by midnight. So you have you guys have that to look forward to as well. Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk with you guys tomorrow for takes on takes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.